Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hey there, and welcome to today's program. We're lucky today. Um, it's another Anytown High School day. And um, that means that I will soon be bringing our good friends at Anytown High School on to the program. Uh, and we're going to hear about how they're doing with some of their students and some things that are getting in the way and, well, that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that comes up when uh, staff in schools are implementing Plan B. Uh, not usually the type of day that we take uh, phone calls on, um, but I think that, um, well, next week will work. Uh, but without further ado, how about I bring the good folks at Anytown High School onto the program, and we'll um, find out how things are going at Anytown High School. My bet is that things at Anytown are really not a whole lot different than, well, what goes on in most high schools. How y'all doing today? Good. Thank you, Good. So um, what's on tap for today, and let's get rolling. So um, this is Marisol. Um, we were hoping to, I was hoping to um, continue talking about Nana, the student that we spoke about at our last session. And um, just a quickly recap, um, I had met with her um, several weeks ago, and um, when I met with her, we had talked about um, how she acts when she's by herself versus a group of friends, and you suggested that I not go in looking at trying to prove a theory and instead drill a little bit more about the attitude and, and what she had made reference to in that initial conversation. So I did do that. Um, I met with her and um, <clears throat> said to her that I was hoping that we could go back and revisit the conversation that we had had when we were talking about um, 
the way she responds when kids come at her. And um, I thought the session went very well. Um, tell us, tell us about her. it in, in as much detail as you can remember. Okay. Um, so essentially, learn? I learned that she um, gets very upset if somebody comes up to her and they don't come up to her by themselves, if they come up to her with friends. So she gets very um, threatened by that initially. The second thing I learned was one of her triggers is that if somebody comes up to her or she comes up to somebody else, she doesn't like it if people jump to conclusions and assume that she's at fault. Very interesting. And this was after conversation, but I'm just giving you, like, in general, what I learned. Yeah. Um, she also said that um, this happens a lot to her. Um, I learned that she feels that she has haters in the school. Um, and I asked her what that meant, like what were haters, and she talked about these people being previous friends, they had a fallout, now they're not friends anymore, and basically they like to see her get into trouble. And so sometimes she feels like they either provoke her or they try to set her up. I learned that she um, she took accountability. She, in the drilling stage, said that she recognizes that half the time, which were her words, she said, half the time I start problems. And so we talked about we talked a little bit about that. Um, and what else did I learn? Those were the big things that I learned from our conversation. Well, and that's quite a bit. I mean, and here's, the, I guess here's the main theme. The more you learn, the more you understand. Mm-hmm. This is why, and then the other thing I would say is the more you learn, the more you find out what really needs to be worked on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, often people will say to me, um, we got stuck thinking of solutions, but the amount you learned in the empathy step actually has a great deal to do with whether you actually have any solutions to come up with in the invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you know, the better. But this is also why when I'm sitting in school meetings and people are doing a lot of hypothesizing and theorizing and storytelling, why I'm feeling like we're not spending our time as wisely as we could. We could be talking about a kid's lagging skills and unsolved problems if instead we are theorizing about why they're there and hypothesizing mm-hmm. and telling stories. I find Dr. That, Green? Yeah? This is Zena, and I just kind of wanted to reiterate what Marisol had said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw Nana in a separate situation, and it was very clear that what was really important to her was that her side of the story be heard. Yeah. And I've heard her repeatedly say in separate situations that, you know, people just come at her like it's her fault. These people never listen to my side. So 
I just want to like double in on the fact that this is something that really is concerning to her. It wasn't just a note from one meeting. We're hearing it in multiple different settings as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the thing that I was going to say is um, when I'm hearing adults theorizing and hypothesizing, I'm thinking, wait a minute, why are we doing this? We're going to hear about what's really going on when we do the empathy step of plan B with the kid. And what I'm gathering from you all is that we heard something very important. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure we would have ever figured it out without her telling us. That's, you know, that's actually a really good point because one of the things that I struggled with initially um, was I, I was focusing on the fact that um, I was focusing more on, like, the way she was reacting, but I actually didn't understand clearly what was triggering that. And, and so you're right. I mean, like, the fact that she said, I mean, and, it, and, you know, it took us a little bit before she came to, you know, saying that people jump into conclusions really bothers her. But I think that then led to that she feels that oftentimes people just assume that she's at fault. And that, you know, that it really bothers her because she feels like she's gotten that reputation, you know, that she can't do right, that if everybody hears her name, if it's Nana, then Nana must have done it or Nana somehow was at fault. And it's, isn't it interesting how a reputation can be born of inaccurate assumptions about what's really going on with a kid? Mm-hmm. And when we find out what really was going on with the kid, we it all adds up, and we start saying to ourselves, well, isn't that something? Look at Look at what we've been making of her. But now that we understand what's really going on with her, look how clear it is, number one, A, how we got her wrong, and mm-hmm. B, how we made out of, made made her out to be something that she really isn't. It's, it's really mind-blowing what happens when you finally understand what's going on with a kid. I mean, I call it an aha moment, but... As I've been saying in my talks lately, I've seen the looks on people's faces um, when it suddenly, you know, there's that certain look that adults get on their faces when it becomes crystal clear that what we were thinking was wrong Mm -hmm. and that what we now know makes it so clear how we might have missed the boat on a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's always really great information that we get in the empathy step. Occasionally it confirms what we were thinking already. Most of the time we learn something completely new that changes our lenses completely. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really interesting, too, because when we were talking, um, you know, she she was the one that came – to, you know, to the realization that she's creating some of the issues that are occurring. You know, that because initially, like, you know, she came from the perspective of, you know, she, you know, that that the trouble comes, that the trouble always finds her. But, you know, she, it was really interesting how, you know, throughout the conversation, 
she finally said to me, well, you know, sometimes I know that I, that I, that I start things too, and I got to work on that. So, and then we ran out of time, unfortunately, but it was good that she at least acknowledged that there was a problem and that she was open to wanting to try to work with it. So, I, I mean, that, that I thought, I mean, I was very impressed with that because this is not an easy student. I mean, she's, she's tough. She's a tough girl. I mean, she's, she's, has, you know, she's very um, strong-willed and she's very strong about her opinions and what she thinks is right and what should be. <laughs> so sometimes it's really difficult to, to work with that. But, well, I do. I will say that I often find that kids who feel that their concerns have been heard are mm-hmm. often much more able to um, talk more about their role. Mm-hmm. But that, and I would say that this is true of all human beings. But that if their concerns don't get heard. They are mm-hmm. far less receptive to taking a look at themselves too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good, other... good that you're hearing that from her, and good that she's able to start taking a look at herself too. The other piece that I thought um, she did a really nice job with, which I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't too sure how she was going to handle it was when I was when I was sharing with her the difficulties that her behavior that that her behaviors you know create in the classroom. You know, I, I guess I was sort of anticipating that she would maybe get defensive or was going to, you know, get confrontational possibly um, and say, well that's not true or that doesn't happen, but she actually didn't say any of those things. Um, you know, we talked about how difficult it is when, you know, something like this happens and, you know, it, it really escalates into like a screaming match in the classroom, which has happened, and how difficult that is for them, the teacher, to, to be teaching. And, and she actually, like, affirmed that, which, you know, I, I, you know, I just think that that was progress for, for her because that was accepting that she has a role in that. I thought was good. I agree. M- much easier to take a look at oneself when one's own concerns have already been heard. And that's why the empathy step comes first. Mm-hmm. We adults are often frustrated that when we start with our concern, we have a kid who disagrees with us almost instantaneously. A kid will be able to hear your concerns and take a closer look at themselves when their concerns have been heard first. Very reliable. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so let me ask you. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that my next step with her, because I ran out of time, but the next step will be, um, you know, talking about some solutions um, regarding the way, you know, she responds when people come at her and she perceives them having an attitude or judging. So that's, that's where I'm going to go next with her. That sounds about I right. Hope. I hope. And then the only <laughs> tricky part, the, the only um, 
other part I would add is if it is particular students, if this is not sort of a if this is not a global issue but is a more specific to certain kids issue, then it could be that you would want to include the other kids in the plan B as well. Um, because now it's about her interactions with particular classmates, not a global issue that's specific only to her. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, so wait, let me make sure I understood that. Because we actually, two of us are looking at each other because one of the students is in the math teacher's class that there's been this sort of ongoing issue with. So you're mm -hmm. saying for the solution stage, we should do that together? Possibly. And here's why. Especially when the problem involves interaction between two people, and that's most problems involve interactions between two people, um, it's very hard to use only one of those people as the focal point for the solution when, in fact, it takes two to tango. Now, the other student hasn't been involved in a plan B since. Yep, I get it. And the strategic decision you have to make at this point is, do we now want to do the, if we decide that really what we want to work on with the student we've been talking about is her interactions with this particular individual, not something more global like people coming at her, but this student coming at her, then strategically it might actually begin making more sense to do the empathy step with the other student, gather information from that student, and then start to see if there's good reason to put them together for the solution. I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that you should say that because I've actually seen Nana at a sit-down with her parents, with another student, with their parents. And even though it got at points very loud, where they were each voicing their opinion, neither of the students that were involved at the time were cutting the other one off. They were both actively listening to the complaints of the other students and their families. And it actually fairly well resolved the situation because the, the parties who were involved, Nana and the other girl, realized all of their conflict was stemming from a third party. So they brought the third party in. They got that yep. side of the story. Also, this girl you know, realized she was the start of it, and then they, they came to a consensus together having heard all the sides. And knowing that that is so important to Nana, hearing the sides of the story and giving everyone that equal voice, that could I feel like that is going to be really powerful with her. But, but if I'm understanding correctly, um, we would need to meet with the other young lady first and do that full empathy stage before we came together to do the solution stage, I mean solution test. Yeah, you'd want to get the concerner perspective of the other student well understood. You know, it's always a strategic decision. Do we want to start plan B with both of these kids sitting together, or do we want to meet with them separately because we feel we'll get better information that way and have it be a lower-risk 
information gathering process that way instead of having the two kids sitting in there having to listen to each other's concerns they would be more comfortable and it might be less volatile if we were listening to the concerns of both kids separately so that's one strategic decision but then the other strategic decision and this is usually the direction that i'll go in if it's two students who are having difficulty with each other it's going to be very hard to come up with a solution that addresses their interaction difficulties if we're only doing plan B with one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost always inclined, I'm almost always recognizing that if this is an interaction problem between two kids, at some point, highly likely, hard to imagine not, although I can imagine occasional circumstances where I wouldn't do it this way, but most often you're going to have both students together for the uh, solution generating phase. So now the big strategic decision is, do I want to have them both in the same room together as I'm gathering information from them? And, you know, if I'm not really sure what's going on, or if I'm not sure that these students can handle being in the same room together while the other one is talking about, you know, what's going wrong between them, then I'll do that part separately. But then I'm going to put them together when we're trying to come up with a solution because this is about their interactions with each other. Know what I'm saying? Now, um, I'm sorry. How would... The other student um, is not having as many problems within the classroom. Um, so I guess how would I begin the plan B in the empathy stage if I'm not really having a problem with her in the classroom? The, the other student who she's having trouble with? Yeah. Well, I don't think that's why you're doing plan B with her at this point. You're not doing plan B with her at this point because because she's a problem in your classroom. You're doing plan right. B with her at this okay. point because she's having trouble with this other kid. Does that make sense? So how would I begin it then? What would I what would I begin by saying? Because I know typically I would have to be very specific and say I'm having trouble with you coming this to this period and, and be well, very specific. So I think you're saying I I've begin. heard. I, th- I, 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 I I'm not positive because I don't know the politics of the situation well enough and whether you'd be betraying confidentiality of the other student who's been talking with you. But one way that it could start is I've heard that you and, and now I'd say the name of the student who you've already talked to, sometimes have trouble getting along with each other. What's up? Okay. Now, what do you think? Would you be betraying a confidence if you were to start it off no, that way? It's public knowledge that they had an incident. Is it? Okay. <laughs> then, I, then no confidence being betrayed. Right. That's how I'll do it. Good. I think that's a great one. I think that's a great one for you all to be dealing with and a great one for schools that are listening to this program and these programs with you all to hear about. What else you got today? That was my piece. Um, this is Kim. Um, last time we mentioned a student, um, Tom, in our last session, and I didn't really have, like, a sit-down session with Plan B with him. He actually came to my classroom after the class ended, and he started with, like, um, I've been I've been kind of bad in your class, haven't I? Oh wow! And um, 
Yeah, I didn't take any notes and stuff because we just we just spoke. Um, it was it was probably about ten minutes, really brief. But um, uh, he mentioned that he's he's been really bad, and I was like, yeah, you you kind of have. And he was like, is it? And, and then it was choppy because he goes, is it the getting up and slamming the door? And I was like, yes. I was like, I cannot. I go, I I can't have you just leaving the class and then coming back. And he's like, he's like, I know, I know. But um, he just said that some, sometimes he gets upset and his way of dealing with it is leaving the classroom. And I told him, okay, but next time can you at least maybe talk to somebody about it? Maybe, you know, maybe confront the student? And he goes, he goes yeah, I've, I've tried that, but it always, it always backfires. So I, I suggested that he's not sit near the kids who set him off. And that's been working. I'm glad it's been working. I don't trust it. Yeah, because I, I, today there was a small, small incident. Um, really, like, it wasn't much. He just got up. He didn't want to leave the classroom, but he just moved to, like, another corner of the classroom by himself. Um. Been, it's been working, especially because I've been giving him candy since. Oh, candy. <laughs> I think, I think that's M and M's trick. <laughs> By the way, candy like, is not so, collaborative problem solving. But keep going. Oh, I know. That's not what the but C stands so for. <laughs> what was um, that? Here's what I was thinking as you were telling the story. He came to you, and it turned out that he'd been leaving the classroom. Now, yeah. I want to know, I mean, leaving the classroom is the behavior. I want to know what unsolved problems are setting that behavior in motion. And you've given me a little hint, interactions with particular classmates. But now, we've got, we want to get to the same level of specificity that we were just hearing about with the other student. I don't know that with the other student, if we said just don't sit near each other, which is a bit of what we might call an ingenious solution. But ingenious solutions are almost always doomed because ingenious solutions we might call uninformed solutions. I'm sort of now hungry for, well, what is going on between him or her, and the, I think you said it was a him, him and these other students, and do we have enough information yet to know what kind of solutions would actually work? If not, we got to sit down with that student and do proactive plan B with him and gather information in the empathy step about what's going on between him and other students. And I think that when we do that, we'll learn why just sitting away from them is unlikely to be a viable long-term solution. That's why I said I'm skeptical about that one being durable um, and, and here's the interesting thing. Whenever I'm hearing about a solution, I'll sometimes say to myself, I'll work backwards, and I'll say, what unsolved problem would that solution address? So now let me do my backward thinking um, thing. Uh, them not sitting near each other would solve the problem of them being proximal to each other as the root cause of their difficulties with each other. And I can certainly see how 
them being proximal to each other, especially if they're not getting along, would um, be a contributing factor. If they're proximal to each other, then they have more proximal opportunity to not get along than if they're away from each other. But I don't think it's proximity that is the heart and soul of them having difficulty getting along with each other, which is why I'm skeptical about having them simply stay away from each other, solving the problem durably. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what I'm hungry for now is information in the empathy step of plan B about what's really going on between these guys. That's what he he didn't really want to get into that because he um like I said he came to me after class. Yeah. And I think he wanted to just head back. So but when are you going to really do proactive plan B with him? Not yet. When? Oh, when? Yeah. Um, I'll try again, maybe before my uh, my study hall with him. Cool. I mean, you want to leave yourself some time. Yeah. This sounds. This sounds. This one sounds like it could take a while. It does. Yeah. I. Uh, and here's my bet: as you're doing Plan B with him, you're going to be saying to yourself, "Okay, well now, now I completely understand why." Just having them not be near each other probably isn't going to get the job done. But the candy might still work. <laughs> 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 what else so, we got today? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to ask, um, and I don't. Um, I know I mentioned this to you off, off air, so I suspect I know the answer, but um, one of the challenges that we have had with certain kids that we are investing a lot of time and energy with on the Plan B is that there have been situations that have occurred that um, unfortunately um, have um, caused administration to have to make a decision for safety reasons and they've gotten suspended. And so the challenge is how to create continuity with these kids who are, you know, the most, you know, at risk that we're really trying to target, but then also balancing safety and, you know, um, you know, just not the safety of that kid, but the safety of other students in the process. So that's been sort of a challenge for us because, you know, we are committed to the Plan B process. We are absolutely committed to the collaborative process. But, you know, there have been situations, I mean, and I mean violent situations, um, that, you know, certain steps have had to happen. But unfortunately, like like the young lady, um, that, I mean, I haven't talked about her much because since the last time I brought her up, she really hasn't been in school. There was a situation, and then she hasn't come to school, and we are trying to get her back to come to school, but, you know, our efforts, you know, aren't yielding the results that we were hoping for, and that's actually for her to be back in school. So sort of like my question is about, like, creating that balance because it's, it's been really difficult. Because we're dealing with some really hard stuff. Well, 
this is always the um, dilemma that arises, and I understand the dilemma, but have to admit I don't see it as much of a dilemma, uh, but I understand the dilemma completely. As schools are moving from their pre-existing discipline program to using Plan B, there's a few things that start to happen. First, they come to realize that you can't solve problems with kids if they're not in the building. That's true. Second, because the lenses are changing and we are seeing challenging behavior as the byproduct of lagging skills and unsolved problems, mm-hmm. things that a suspension won't fix, then suspension begins to make increasingly less sense um, because my quick answer, I got one more point here about what happens when we start moving from conventional discipline to collaborative problem solving. Um, the problems and lagging skills aren't going to be solved by suspending a kid. And now that brings up one other issue, and that is suspending a kid for safety reasons. Now, what you're saying to me is, I haven't been able to really solve problems with kids cause, with her because I haven't seen enough of her to do it. All right, now that's 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 the dilemma that now starts to arise: is are we safer? By using suspension, we might feel safer because the kid's not in the building. Mm-hmm. But whatever safety issues prompted us to suspend the kid in the first place, if they're not solved, then they're still there when the kid comes back and we haven't solved anything. So this is what starts to happen. This is actually, I mean, I. I'll put a positive spin on this. This is a very good sign because this is what starts to happen when our lenses change and our practices change. Suspension becomes, and you all will have to grapple with this. I'm happy to grapple with it with you for the next 10 minutes but because mm-hmm. that's how much time we have left. But um, we start to realize that a suspension is an obsolete practice given what's really going on with the behaviorally challenging students in our building can't solve problems with them if they're not there and suspensions aren't getting the job done anyways. Now I'm really having trouble understanding and I this is not just you guys, this is any school that is suspending a kid. Um, now I'm having trouble understanding the benefit of a suspension. But let's talk about it. What do you think? I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like, I'm thinking of a situation right now that we are going to have to face, you know, in in the very near future, like in the next couple of days, because we did have a situation that involved Nana, the young lady I was talking about, and another young lady. And, um, you know, the, you know, the other young lady did have a consequence that included being outside of the school. But... Um, when she comes back, I mean, the problem is still there. I agree with you. Um, you know, and, and I even concede to say that, you know, I think sometimes 
you know, doing a suspension is sort of like the immediate, you know, solution just because, you know, if we've had this major altercation, you know, in fairness, you know, I mean, we are trying in that short term trying to think of safety because, you know, it did really create a, a disturbance. But um, I don't know, I was writing down for myself, like, an inside suspension, maybe that would be a time that we could use to do some plan B where, you know, we could meet with, you know, the students separately and then see where we are, like take the posts of, you know, the temperature, like are they ready to be in the same room? Are they ready to even be contemplating, you know, a win-win situation or not? Um, but that could, you know, that could be a time when we could work on plan B. Um, it, you know, I just know, like, it, it also, you know, it's, it's just the time, you know, like, it does take time, you know, and and then the staffing, you know, the logistical stuff that I'm sure every school in the country deals with. This is the stuff that every school in the country deals with. I think it's something that a lot of schools everywhere deals with. I think that these are the important things to be dealing with if we're going to take a close look at whether everything we're doing is as compassionate and productive and effective and based on what we now know about behaviorally challenging kids as it could be. I must say my experience in schools that are implementing collaborative problem solving is that, and here's this is exactly why, rates of suspension go down. Disciplinary referrals go down. Detentions go down. Um, sometimes quite precipitously in schools that have been doing it for a while. And that's because of the change in lenses and the change in practices, it becomes really pretty obvious that Suspending a kid really actually doesn't make much sense at all. Logistically, um, some of those other schools, are they using inside suspension to try to work through some of this plan B, or, they, or do they not even have inside suspension? It, it varies. How do they deal with them? It varies by building. But I just want to remind everybody that schools that are really doing collaborative problem-solving well, the vast majority of the effort is proactive. And so a lot of the things kids are getting suspended for in schools that are not doing collaborative problem-solving are things that were really quite predictable, but are really they're getting suspended for problems that are still unsolved, problems that I call waiting to be solved or problems that have yet to be solved. But remember, if you're doing collaborative problem solving in a building and you're being largely proactive about it, and you're starting with your frequent flyers, the kids who are most mm -hmm. likely to access the school discipline program in the first place, mm -hmm. then you are heading many potential suspensions off at the pass because the problems, had they remained unsolved that would have gotten a kid suspended in the first place, are now getting solved. So they don't come up. Yeah. No, I mean I, I understand what you're saying. I just find sometimes 
one of our struggles is that it just seems to be like multi-layered. Like once, like we address something and then it just, like it, yeah. it like, um, you know, then it creates something else. Does that make sense? Like that's It does. The well, it definitely makes sense. I find that, though, when you're doing proactive plan B, layers are part of the process. Most problems are much more complicated the more we learn about them. Mm -hmm. The more proactive we are, the more access we have to those layers and the greater our opportunity to learn about them and solve them. And Mm -hmm. so... To tell you the truth, it sounds like you are going through what I might call CPS growing pains. <laughs> and that is what what we may also be hearing is, yes, we're talking about suspension right now, but we may also be hearing um, the need to ramp up even more our efforts at doing Plan B proactively with the kids who are at greatest risk for getting suspended. And yes, there's going to be growing pains because you're not going to be able to solve everything in time to stave off all temptation to suspend again. In other words, stuff's going to pop up. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, in a high school, stuff always pops up. But the more proactive we're being, the more access Mm -hmm. we have to the multiple layers of a given unsolved problem, the more we're Mm -hmm. getting those problems solved ahead of time, the less likely we are to use suspension. And then what I have found is that each school comes up with its own, what are we going to be doing instead of suspending if this should happen to flare up? Suspension may be what seems like one of our options administratively, but as it relates to what's best for this kid and what message we want to be sending the entire building I actually don't think we want to be suspending kids, even if this is a safety issue. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, we could be telling the rest of the building, the message we could be giving to the rest of the building is that if you're unsafe, we'll throw you out temporarily. But the rest of the building has also noticed that all of those throwing outs have not necessarily made for a safer student. Mm -hmm. You know, the other other layer to that, Dr. Green, is is sort of creating the balance with, you know, the proactiveness and, and then the alternatives, but also with what the district policy stipulates with regards to, you know, certain type of behavior, you know, that can can then even, like, be more than, you know, what we may think or may want. Like, there are certain policies that the district has that clearly speak to specific behaviors. And then yes. if and when those happen, how schools are supposed to be um, addressing those. Yes. So, you know, that's another layer of, of, of our working through. Well, and, and here's what I have found. Yes, here's what I have found. Number one, I've seen different schools handle district policies differently. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I've definitely seen in the same schools, in the same district, is that district policies do have wiggle room. District policies are interpreted differently by different administrators. And different administrators, some feel more free 
to forego the district policies than others. So what I've definitely seen is that some some administrators take district policy more literally than others. But here's what else I've seen. I've seen one school like yours starting to do Plan B, starting to get good at it, starting to solve problems collaboratively, be the impetus because you're doing things differently and it's starting to work, be the impetus mm-hmm. for policy, cha- policy changes and the mm-hmm. impetus for having that discussion get started. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, we have to end for today, which is not great timing because I love talking about this and it sounds like it's coming up for you guys, but uh, time for me to thank you for doing this again today. You guys are so brave and so nice to be doing this and helping so many people learn about collaborative problem solving. So thank you again. Thank you, Dr. Green. And, um, well, gee whiz, it's time to end for today. Thanks for joining in. I hope you're finding these Anytown programs to be useful. I'll be back next week with another collaborative problem solving at school. Talk then. guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.